Hello, my name is Danny Flood. Thank you so much for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for personal knowledge and growth, optimizing your life and taking it to the next level. Tonight, I have a guest who is the kind of man who makes the rest of us turn green with envy, I have to say. Uh, <laughs> as I tell you a little bit more about Jasper here, he's a certified digital nomad who's traveled to over 50 countries. While many of us are grinding away in the office, he is sailing in Croatia or lobster hunting in the Bahamas. He's currently in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And what's interesting about Jasper is that he's able to fund this lifestyle just by renting out his apartment at home in Amsterdam, which provides him over 60000 a year. And he's uh, figured out a way to automate the entire process. He's written a book called Get Paid for Your Pad, which is a guide to uh, using Airbnb. And uh, I just wanted to welcome you, Jasper Rivers. Thanks, Danny. I'm excited to be in the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, so why don't you start by uh, telling us uh, a little bit about your experiences. You are also known as the Traveling Dutchman, uh, travelingdutchman.com And... Um, how did you get started on this path to uh, living this four-hour workweek lifestyle, and how did you find this, uh, this opportunity and, and get to the point where you are today? Well, I, uh, I worked in finance for about six years, uh, both in Amsterdam and in uh, Chicago. And things were going pretty well. I was pretty successful making, uh, making some good money. But uh, I didn't really get much fulfillment for my job. I was basically just sitting in an office. Uh, I had eight flat screens in front of me, looking at a bunch of numbers all day. And when I was young, I was, I was thought that success was, was making a lot of money and having a good career. But when, once I achieved that, I realized that it wasn't really what I was looking for in my life. So I thought about what to do. And uh, eventually after... Uh, after contemplating for a while, I decided to leave everything behind and to go on a worldwide adventure, something that I've always been kind of dreaming of, but a little, I was a little scared to go, um, just go by myself and travel. Um, I was worried that maybe I get lonely or maybe I'll just get bored of it after a few months. And, um, and now I gave up my whole career for that. So, um, I was a little bit apprehensive about it, but it turned out to be the best decision I've ever made in my life. I think I know exactly how you felt, um, Jasper, because I was in the same situation. Uh, was that about the same time that you read the four-hour work week, would you say? Yeah, so when I, after I quit my job, I, uh, I literally Googled how to make money online because I had no idea what to do. And uh, I found... Uh, a number of resources, and Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Work Week, was one of the resources that I found, and it was one of the first things that I read about location-independent entrepreneurship, etc. So it was definitely an inspiring uh, book to read for me. It's definitely an inspiring book, but I think it falls a little bit short on the how. Um, it gives a couple of examples of you know people making money online, but I think if if you're like most people who have tried to make money online, um, and Jasper, I'm sure you can agree with this, it's very uh, time-consuming. You have to learn a lot of things like um, 
web design and hosting and copywriting and marketing. Uh, so, so what Absolutely. was the experience like for you? Did you find it to be uh, easy or difficult? Or well, you know, um, I started. First thing I did is I found some sort of a loophole uh, in uh, this was in Brazil um, doing um, doing some Google ads. Uh, I, I noticed that there was a few uh, keywords that people would search for like millions of times a month, and these were keywords relating to government websites. But I just uh, I just started a, a few websites, put some text on there, and optimized the websites for the keyword, and started getting massive traffic, which I monetized with uh, with Google Ads. And so so that was that went really well quickly. So I I kind of felt like wow, you know, I've uh, I've really managed to uh, set something up quicker, but uh, <laughs> that only lasted for a few months because Google wasn't quite uh, quite happy with Project. They, uh, I don't know exactly know why, <laughs> probably because it wasn't really a val- I wasn't any, adding any value really. Uh, so they uh, they ended up banning my account. So one day to the other, uh, I, I just looked at my I had this iPhone app where I could see my earnings from from Google Ads. And every day there was like a 50 or 100 euros coming in. And one day it, uh, it said zero, so I was a little bit worried. And it turned out they banned my account. I tried again with a friend's account, but they banned that one too. So that's a, that was my first endeavor. <laughs> so people but were... I think you're absolutely, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right that, um, you know, I, there's, there's no real, like, make money quick thing uh, on the internet i mean i mean there, there may be but for most people it's just going to be a, a long-term thing it's it's going to be a long road it's mm. going to be making a little bit of money at first and, and gradually making a little bit more and it, it may take uh, anywhere between six to six months to like two years uh, before you uh, actually make uh, an amount of money that you that can support you there's going to be lots of ups and downs, and it's, yeah, it's hard work. The internet's very competitive, competitive environment. So, um, so it's definitely not a, a make money quick uh, scheme. Right, and which which is what most people are, are going in there for, um, I think. And um, yeah. And Jasper, you actually talk about this uh, quite a bit in your book when you. Um, you talk about your backstory, um, how you're a very smart guy, and you tried out a whole bunch of different things to see what would work best. And um, I think I think you were looking for something that would provide the highest leverage. I think like the most uh, bang for the amount of time that you put into it. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Yeah. That? Exactly. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, in the beginning, I was just like, okay, how can I make uh, sustainable money with putting in very little effort. Um, that was my initial sort of uh, uh, mentality. And over time, that really changed uh, to now I focus on doing something that I enjoy doing. And I'm not so much, I'm not so worried about like, uh, okay, how am I going to make the most money with that? Um, just focusing on doing the things I'm passionate about. And when you put in a lot of effort and you're doing something that you like and you don't give up, then uh, that's, I think, the best way to eventually uh, have a sustainable business. 
is it better to um, to follow the passion, or do you have to? Do you think that it's you have to make sure the money is there first, or or do you believe that uh, someone should follow their passion until they can monetize it, or do you think it needs to be profitable from the day one? I guess that's what I'm, it's it's kind of the chicken or the egg question is what I'm asking. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I mean I think I think you should definitely have a monetization plan and, and start monetizing uh, right away, like when you start, mm-hmm. because it's hard to predict if something something will sell and if people are willing to pay money for something. So I think you definitely want to want to start the monetization early, because then if it, you know if if it uh, if it doesn't work, then you've also haven't invested that much time. I mean, you don't want to spend like a year or two years building something and then. And then monetizing, trying to monetize it, and then finding out that there's no good way to monetize it. You know. So when you were when you were so, testing yeah. all these different ideas, why don't you tell me some of the different things that you tested out, and, and how did you uh, how did you assess the viability of each? Um, okay, so so the first thing I did was these this keyword research uh, websites. Um, well, one thing I learned from that experience is I learned how how SEO worked. So then I I started doing SEO projects for people, and that one I I wasn't really too passionate about that, but I figured hey now I have a skill so let's try and let's try and make some money with that. So I did that for a while, and then I I figured uh, if I could start a uh, a web shop and use my SEO skills to to get all my project products in the in the top ten in Google. Um, then that seemed like a pretty good strategy. So I started a web shop in, in Holland, which is uh, where, where I'm from, uh, together with my cousin. And we were selling nutritional supplements. And I didn't know anything about that business. But I just figured, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to do well in Google, then people will find my products and they will buy them, which is sort of what happened. We were doing, we were doing pretty well for a while. Uh, the only problem with that business was I, we were completely reliant on on the the SEO on our Google positions, and then one day uh, an update, Google update came out. I think it was called Panda, <laughs> and uh, that was the end of uh, that was the end of all our good rankings. So, so you're not a fan of pandas, uh, then, are you? <laughs> no, no, I actually killed everyone. <laughs> they don't exist anymore. <laughs> They're dead to me. No, but uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it uh, yeah, it it went well for a while, but we were too reliant on just one thing, and um, so I ended up selling it. Uh, fortunately, we found somebody who uh, was interested in running a, a web shop. So uh, as soon as I figured that uh, you know it, it wasn't going to be. Uh, extremely successful uh, long-term, like viable business. After we lost our rankings, uh, we managed to sell it to somebody. So we got a good exit. So all good in the end. That taught me an important lesson to not to be uh, not to be relying on just one factor for for be for running a successful uh, business. Right. Right. Um... I think I can relate uh, to that as well because uh, my first business was uh, web designing and SEO uh, marketing for clients. Um, and 
financially, I was successful, uh, able to travel. Um, I automated most of it so that I was only working 10, maybe 15 hours a week most, uh, two or three hours mm-hmm. a day. Uh, but I just wasn't passionate about it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I got tired of, of trying to get uh, backlinks to my clients' websites and, and getting guest posts for them and, and, uh, uh-huh. and selling other people's products. I was like, you know, I can do a much better job at this myself. And, and then so I realized uh, I quit that business, um, which, which was good from a passion standpoint, but financially not a smart move. But uh, I think I definitely learned a lesson there. And uh, I think you're, you're kind of in the same spot. So how did you go from there to, uh, to landing on Airbnb and uh, doing what you're doing now? Yeah, so um, I, 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 when I started traveling, I, I was running out of my apartment in, in Amsterdam uh, on a long-term basis. And there was, I didn't like that situation very much for, for three reasons, really. Number one, I didn't think the, the return on the, on the investment was very good. Uh, secondly, uh, I couldn't stay in my own home when I was back in Amsterdam because there was always somebody there. And the, the third thing is in, in Holland, they have very, very powerful renter protection laws. So it basically means if somebody is renting your, your house and that person be living there for like more than a few months or something, it's very, very hard to get that person to leave. So I've, I was thinking, wow, what, what if this, what if my renter doesn't want to leave and I want to sell the house or something, you know, it can get into pretty nasty situations. So I was looking for a different solution and I, I already used Airbnb for traveling a few times. So I thought, why not give it a try? Why not? start a listing and, and see what happens. So I, uh, I started out and it, it immediately blew up within a few months. Uh, I was making more than twice as much as when I was running it at long term. Um, and um, I could control the calendar. So whenever I was back in Amsterdam, I would stay in my own house. And, uh, and I met all these all these people from all around the world. People were very appreciative of of, uh, of being able to stay at my house and experience my neighborhood, which is my neighborhood's really cool in Amsterdam, by the way. It's called the Pike, and um, so I was I was really happy with it, and I was making so much money with it that I didn't really need to do anything else. So I thought to myself, why not why not focus on this for a while and let's try to to maximize the return on my on my house. And let's let's find out how to how to do this Airbnb thing really well. So I started reading pretty much every single book that was out there on Airbnb. Um, I, I read every single resource that I could find and implemented all the advice. And um, I was able to raise my prices even more. So, but but one thing that I noticed when I was reading the books was that there wasn't really a good comprehensive all-encompassing book about Airbnb. And, you know, I met a lot of people during my travels, and they, the number one thing that people always ask you when you have a location-independent lifestyle, they always ask you, how can you support yourself? How do you make money? So I, I would say, oh, well, I rent out my apartment on Airbnb. <laughs> that usually would lead to a very confused expression on the other person's face. Uh, first of all, a lot of people have never heard about the Airbnb. And secondly, people 
uh, don't don't seem to realize that how much of a gold mine it can be. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know what? There's no good book available. It seems like people are not aware of this opportunity, and a lot of the hosts, other Airbnb hosts that I that I met, and listings that I looked at, uh, it, it seems like people people just didn't really don't really know how to do this. Well, you know, I just saw a lot of people missing out on, on a lot of money by, by just creating a bad listing or not communicating well or, or, or some other things. So I thought, okay, maybe that's my job then, to, to write a book and to teach people how to do every week. And it's a fantastic book that you've created, Jasper. I just want to uh, give you my endorsement. Thank you. Uh, one, one thing I think... I don't know if this is what makes this such a good opportunity for anyone who wants to get started, but uh, there seems to be so many misconceptions surrounding Airbnb and what it actually means to rent out your place. Uh, I can think of some of the objections, like just, just from what I hear from people saying like, oh, I don't want to turn my house into a hotel, um, you know, and have all these, these this revolving door of people, for instance. Um, obviously the safety issues are a big one. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, but, but I think there's actually benefits to, and you mentioned a couple of these in your book, like, um, having short term, uh, renters, not only are you able to charge more, uh, but they're typically travelers too. So they're usually out and out and about, they spend very little time in your apartment, right? They're just there to sleep basically. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and what you've actually done is you've, I think you've completely automated the entire process. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so to, to, to start, uh, let's talk about the, the apprehension that people have yes. when, they, uh, when they think about Airbnb. You mentioned a few things. Um, it's, it's definitely true. Um, I, you know, I, I run the, a podcast about Airbnb as well as, as, the, as the book. So I talk to a lot of Airbnb hosts, and everybody says the same thing. Everybody is worried that people are going to destroy your place and they're going to damage your furniture and or they're going to steal. And it's, it's, a, it's understandable that people have this, this, these worries. But it, as it turns out, they, it's very, very, very rare for any, anything like that to, to materialize. And I think it's got to do with a few things. It seems like this Airbnb has just created this, this community of, of travelers where most of the people I've, I've met are very educated and, you know, respectful people, very polite. And, uh, they're just not the type of people that will destroy or, or do damage to your property. And the other thing is it's, it's different. Staying in somebody's house is, is different than staying in a hotel. You know, it's, it's, uh, you can, it's very personal. So I think it, it, uh, in, induces, uh, a, a, a good behavior in people, uh, somehow. Where if, if you're in a hotel, you know, you make a, a mess or you, you know, so you, you're a bit uncareful or something, you know, you're, you're staying in a, at a company, you know, it doesn't feel like you're staying at somebody's place. So I think that's, that's the difference there. And, um, yeah, it's Airbnb has a guarantee uh, in place uh, of up to a million dollars. So if something happens and your insurance doesn't cover it, then you can always rely on that. Um, and talking about um, uh, the 
the, the perspective from, from the owner as, as, uh, as far as uh, wear and tear and, and, and maintenance of your, of your place goes, yeah, I think people, people don't really use the, the, the apartment too much. People travel because they want to see things. They want to experience the, the culture. So they're not going to sit at home all day and, and, and watch TV. And also, you know, when you have a long-term renter, that person might throw parties, you know, that person knows a lot of people. Uh, so I actually think as, as far as wear and care, it's probably less than, uh, than if you have a long-term renter. Right. I think so too. And, um, Jasper, I think there's a, a bigger picture uh, concept that these people who are asking these questions are, are missing out, are missing as well. Um, when they say, you know, how can I trust someone from online, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, they don't realize the tidal wave that's kind of taking place right now. I mean, we're almost in 2015, and this is just mm-hmm. one example of the, the sharing economy at large, um, where, where there are really are no barriers to... Uh, uh, sharing information, sharing resources, and I'm talking about uh, not just Airbnb, but also couch surfing. Um, you know, there's there's all these websites online, and and what really drives that is is uh, nothing is really private anymore. I think no, your information is not private. Everyone has a public profile online. You have r- reviews, um, ratings, uh, a footprint, right? Absolutely. So, so that's, that's the big difference between finding someone on Craigslist 10 years ago who might be completely anonymous versus uh, Airbnb system, correct? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you can, uh, there's ways to get to know the person who's going to stay in your house or find out a little bit of information about that person. You know, Airbnb has a number of things. I have verifications. Uh, you can you can connect to like Facebook and you can verify your email and phone, um, and you can also read references and and reviews, and you can ask questions. You don't have to accept every every group of guests. You know, if I get an inquiry from you know five nineteen uh, year old guys from London who are who want to stay at my place in Amsterdam from Friday to to Monday, then and and I I don't see anything any reviews or whatsoever. Then uh, then I'm I'm probably not going <clears> to <throat> accept that that inquiry because that's not the sort of the uh, I don't feel comfortable with that. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. so you have a choice. You can you can choose who who you, who you uh, who you host, and that gives you uh, yeah that gives you a lot of uh, reassurance. I, I think. And of course, you're backed by the uh, Airbnb guarantee. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, but coming back to what you said earlier, mm-hmm. I totally agree with this whole movement of, of the sharing economy, and I really love the sharing economy because mm-hmm. it's it's just more efficient. It's it. I think it makes the world a better place. You know, it connects people, and it makes better use of uh, resources that that already exist. If if you look at the car sharing platforms, for example, I, I think like most cars, uh, I think on average a car is 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 doing nothing like ninety percent of the time or something, you know. So if you right. if you walk through a random city, you see thousands of cars just being parked on the street, taking up space, doing absolutely nothing, and that doesn't doesn't make sense to me at all. So yeah, I think it's great if we if we can use these resources in a in a better way, and and you have to uh, 
so you have to see it as a, as a, as a different in a different way. I think I was just talking to uh, an Uber driver. No, Uber is the uh, is the, the the taxi platform, and uh, and I, we were discussing a new platform that's called Flight Car, where you can park your car at the airport, and people will rent it out for you to people who arrive at the airport, which also makes a lot of sense because why, why is there all these rental car companies when there's 20,000 cars parked in, in, the, in the airport's parking garages? You know? um, anyway, <laughs> the person told me, well, he said, uh, well, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I don't, wanna, I don't know if I want somebody driving my car because people have an emotional connection <laughs> with the stuff they have. Right? It's kind of the same as, as the house. Uh, it's when you, especially when you own it, you have an emotional connection with your house, and you, you know some, most people feel a little uncomfortable sharing that with others. And I think that's something that people have to sort of like realize, and and that has to change in people's minds that yeah. a car is just a piece of metal that gets you from A to B, and when it's not being used, you know it, it, somebody else should use it. And, if, and by the way, if you're listening to this and you're still in that camp over there, I uh, just want you to know that Jasper and I don't hate you. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're, make, we're trying to make a point here that, that this is the future. Um, Airbnb is just one component of the sharing economy. And um, if you're still apprehensive about you know, sharing with strangers, I mean, you've got to get over it. I mean, you are missing mm-hmm. out on a huge opportunity here. And we're, we're talking yeah. about renting your house. There's, there's couch surfing. Um, you mentioned ride, sh- uh, uh, renting your car. There's a website called get around, uh, which is another, I don't know which, which one, which service was it that, uh, you ran out from the airports, Jasper? I think it's called flight car, flight car. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, that's a brilliant idea, uh, too. Uh, <laughs> flight car. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great idea. Yeah. So yeah, and there's not just that, it's, but there's also um, you know I, we could go on and on and on. There's there's uh, trusted house sitters. If you want to travel, for example, and you want to have a free place to stay, uh, you, you know you got to be kind of got to plug into this the sharing economy, and you got to socialize. You got to network and and use these online portals because uh, there has never been a time in history where you have all of this opportunity just literally at your fingertips. Right, Jasper? Absolutely, yeah. No, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's these people now who, and you call them micropreneurs, who are basically living off all the different sharing platforms. You know, and there's, there's Wiseend where you can, uh, if you have some skills, you can, you can teach other people, be tutor or, or teacher. Because um, if you think about it, it's, it's really, you have, as a human being, you have three assets. You have your physical assets, like your house or your car, and you have, you have skills and you have knowledge. And people want those things. There are people on this planet that want to use your car or use your house or they want to learn your knowledge or learn your skill or they want to, they need your skill, right? So the question is, how do you find those people? And that's where all these sharing uh, platforms come in. So, it's it's really great. Imagine imagine somebody who owns a two bedroom apartment. Uh, the person rents out one room on Airbnb. He drives a couple hours uh, on, on Uber as a, as, a, as a taxi driver. Um, a few hours a day, he may uh, teach some math to some some high school kids, 
and and that way you can you can basically get like a full time income just by using the, all these different platforms, and that's really awesome because it gives you freedom and flexibility, and you're not dependent on some some employer, and you don't have to sit in uh, in some office uh, every day from nine to five, and you know um, not be free to travel and take holidays when you want. So yeah, I think it's. It's just a tremendous opportunity. It's there's a lot of different things that you can do, and I, I totally agree. It's it's the future. What the sharing economy really does is it empowers the individual. Mm-hmm. It gives the individual Absolutely. options. Um, with what you currently have now, I mean, you can turn into an entrepreneur in so many areas, and I think what people need right now most, and, and this is kind of what you're doing with Airbnb. People need a guide to all of this. You know, they need to make sense of this. <laughs> um, you, you know, kind of because yeah. you have so many options, and it's like, all right, well, how can I how can I become an expert at this? You know, how can I get from from the old system to the new system and, and really take advantage of all these opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. And just uh, I just want to mention one website for people who are curious to what those opportunities are. There's a website called peers.org, and it uh, it's a uh, it's a community uh, of, of of people uh, who uh, who enjoy the sharing economy, and it lists um, it lists all the different platforms that are out there. So there's there's all these cool things you know there's park at my house where you can rent out your parking space you know there's there's uh there's um platforms where you can share meals <clears throat> so if you're if you're a decent cook you can make money by just going on this platform and and providing dinner for people um and, and so that, that, that peers.org yeah so p-e-e-r-s dot o-r-g and is that an informational resource that people can use? Yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. It's a, it's a, uh, it's it's a, it's now it's more of a community, but there's a lot of information out there. So okay. if you're interested in the sharing economy, then it's definitely something that you have to uh, have to check out. Yeah, I think uh, by far taking advantage of this uh, sharing economy movement is is the best way for an individual to empower themselves to do what they want, to travel, to uh, quit their jobs, to uh, make a nice income and do what you do. I mean, go lobster diving in Bahamas or (laughs) whatever it is you're doing down in Brazil right now. (laughs) What have you been up to, by the way? (laughs) Uh, I just arrived a week ago, so I'm kind of settling in, Um, been uh, enjoying the the nightlife a little little bit around here. I'm, I'm staying in the nicest neighborhoods, and it's very close to the beach, so I like to go on a, on a little afternoon, late afternoon run on the beach every day, and uh, drink some agra de coco, which is <laughs> coconut water, and uh, enjoy the sunset, and just there's so much to see here. There's, you know, the beach is always crowded, and uh, in Brazilian culture is, is pretty pretty interesting when it comes to beach life. Uh, people like to show off a little bit, and uh, uh, they like to work out and, you know, play beach volleyball. And so there's a lot of activity going on, and it's it's just a really cool place to hang out. Sounds like a difficult life, my friend. 
so easy, you know, have to deal with jet lags, cultural differences, and <laughs> language, have to learn languages. It's, it's pretty tough. If you're listening to this interview right now and you're still working at some office job, why the hell are you still doing that? <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, all right, so so Jasper, let's let's go back to uh, Airbnb, um, and let's let's try to make some sense of this uh, of the confusion here. Or, or I guess uh, if if someone's listening to this and they, they have no experience, they want to get started. Um, speaking from my own experience, I have uh, several friends who are using Airbnb right now, uh, and I've done it a little bit myself. Um, and it seems like there's different scenarios that people are actually using it for. Uh, my friends, I have some friends back home uh, in San Diego. One of my friends rents out his entire apartment for, I guess, one week or maybe 10 days out of the month and basically pays for the whole rent. Um, I think it's like $2,600 or so for a two-bedroom in downtown. Uh, mm-hmm. I have another friend who who found someone who corporate employee who rented it out for six months and he's making double what he what he pays on the rent so he's paying about two thousand the guy's paying about four thousand so he's making mm-hmm. he's making two thousand a month uh for free basically um yeah and then i also have my friend uh ryan fix who i, I told you about who uh has a full-time business uh renting out more than a dozen properties through airbnb mm-hmm uh, and then you have what you're doing. So, so if I'm listening to this, what do you recommend? Where should I start? Should I start by renting out my own apartment and, and do I give up my own living space or should I rent out a room in my apartment? What's the best way to start out with this? I mean, it really depends on your situation and your goals. So like you said, it, people use it for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, I've talked to people who rent out their room, uh, to, to fund renovation, I've talked to people who use it to pay for their medical bills. You know, it's, it's, it really depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a location independent lifestyle, then definitely you should aim to rent out your place full time. If, if you're looking to just make some extra money on, on the side when you're on holiday, then that's also an option. Uh, so it's, it's hard to say like what the best way is. I guess there is not really a best way. Um, it depends on your situation, but what I will say is whatever you do, there is a good way to do it, and or let's just say there's a way to do it that maximizes your results, and there's a way to do it where it's kind of random what your results will be. So you can create a listing, and you know it will take like half an hour, maybe one hour, uh, take a couple pictures and, and get started and not really do anything with it and then you're probably not going to do very well or you can um you can really learn what you need to do to to make this make this thing a success and you know reading my book would be a pretty good way to start uh, but um <clears throat> oh by the way now that we're talking about people who are looking to start uh i we do have a uh a um a free sample of the book that we give away so if you don't want to spend any money, that's a that's a good way to learn a little bit more. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it doesn't actually take that much effort to do a good job at this. You, know, you just have to learn a little bit and implement the all the all the, the strategies that uh, that have worked, and um, and that's it. I'm sure 
you're going to have a great experience with it. And so I want to ask you a little bit about uh, your own personal experience and, and kind of some of the, the dynamics of what you do. Uh, but I also wanted to ask you, do you have to, is it recommended that you have, that you buy your own home first before you rent or can you uh, rent out a place that you yourself are renting uh, short term? Um, both both are an option. You don't need to buy a place to start an Airbnb. You can definitely rent a place and, 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 and go take that route. Um, it's a little bit more complicated because you have to deal with the landlord. Some landlords will allow you to do it, and but most landlords, from my experience, will be will have the same apprehension that people have as, as an Airbnb host. They will think like, well... What's, I don't want random people in my house. They're going to destroy it, blah, blah, blah. So there's two ways to do it. You can either go to your landlord and say, hey, um, do you mind if I rent without an Airbnb? Or you can just do it. You know, it's like instead of asking permission, you, you ask for forgiveness after, afterwards. <laughs> That's another way of doing it. <laughs> or what you can do, if you, if you want to get started, you can also just literally find a place that – um, where the landlord is, is cool with it. So you, before you even rent it. So, you know, you can go around and find a landlord and, and say like, Hey, I'd like to rent your place, but I'm going to use it for Airbnb. And, you know, maybe if you pay the, pay the landlord a little bit extra, um, that might help. I do know one person in uh, Buenos Aires who, who does this. He basically just finds landlords who, who are cool with it. And I think he has, he has free apartments now. And he funds his, his studies with, with this. So, and, and it's funny because I think when you're running out of place in Airbnb, you actually maintain it better than if you live there yourself. I can see this in my apartment because it, now, it, now your house is your business, right? And you make more money if you, if it's, if it's, uh, if you keep it nice, if you keep it tidy, you keep it clean, you keep it, uh, well maintained. It's uh, the investment pays off. So, so I actually think, uh, as a, as a, from the perspective of the landlord, if you want your apartment to to be well maintained, finding somebody who's going to put it on Airbnb and, and make turning it into a business is probably the best thing you can do. Right. Ironically. Right. <laughs> and I think you also have to look at this opportunity as a long term commitment and investment. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You have um, to be prepared. I mean, I think right now, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a while to build a reputation on the platform and really get the, the maximum, the best results. You know, it could take anywhere between a few months or, or, or maybe six months or so. So um, it's, it's definitely a long-term thing. And from an investment perspective, if you have a, uh, some uh, cash lying around and, and you want to buy a house, the best way to monetize is through Airbnb. I'm mm. convinced of that. Um, I mean, you're not going to make as much running out long term. It's just not going to happen. You know? So yeah, so you can you can probably make like a, you know about ten percent return on investment, uh, at least um, more in some cases too. So that's a pretty good return. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, 
So, so if I were to go someplace like, um, let's let me just, just speak in my situation. Uh, you know, I, I'm always traveling, digital nomad. Uh, if I were to go someplace like Bali, for example, um, I, I think uh-huh. the dynamics would be be kind of unique. One, I, I guess you mentioned the landlord. Uh, what? How? How can I tell if it's a good landlord? Like, is it someone? Should I take them out for beers or something? Should I try to build up a personal relationship with them? And and then if if I if I do rent out my place on Airbnb, should I say that? Uh, uh, tell them that I have friends coming over for two weeks or something, or should I just be direct and honest with them? Um, it's a choice that you have to make. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people. Don't. A lot of people take. To be honest with you, the most people that I talk to take the uh, for, uh, forgive instead of ask for permission uh, approach. <laughs> so they just do it. If the landlord find out, and if the landlord gets gets mad, then they then they stop. Uh, so that's that's one way of doing it. Uh, I personally probably wouldn't go take that route. I would just find somebody and explain and convince that person that that renting out an Airbnb is a good thing right and make it uh, make it uh, make it attractive for for the landlord you know maybe offer him uh, uh, a few hundred uh, dollars extra per month or you can say hey guess what uh, if I rented out an Airbnb uh, you can I'll let you stay in the house like a couple of weeks a year uh, that's that's what uh, what my buddy in uh, Buenos Aires does. So was, imagine somebody owns a villa in Bali, for example. That's pretty cool. If you because if you rent it out, you can't say you can't go there on, on a holiday. So if you say, hey, let me rent it out an Airbnb and I'll give you two weeks a year where you can stay at your own place, then that could be pretty attractive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so kind of make it a win-win situation for both you and the landlord and. Um, I guess the other yeah, thing I guess is, that's yeah. what I mm-hmm. yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, w- one thing I think that I've noticed too, if if you want to do this in other countries, and I know you've interviewed people who do this in South America, Colombia, uh, Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes it's better, usually, to. Uh, do this with someone who who's very fluent in English or maybe even a native English speaker from uh, the West versus trying to work with local landlords or people who are not mm-hmm. very fluent in English, would you say? Um, yeah, well, well, you think uh, you mean in terms of communication that it would be hard to communicate? Well, in, in terms of communication, but also I think um, – because I was reading a book once about uh, finding work abroad, for example, and what the author said was, uh, you have much better success contacting uh, expats or working with expats mm-hmm. than you would with like the local. He, he was talking about China in this in this example. Mm-hmm. If, if you're looking for a job in China, uh, try to talk to try to contact expat managers. You're much more likely to get a job with them than you would uh, with local Chinese managers, for instance. Okay. Um, would you, would right. you say that, that that's probably good advice for people, like as far as uh, landlords are concerned? Um, I, I mean, I don't really have that much experience of contacting landlords. So, okay. but it, 
I mean, it makes sense to me. You know, first of all, you, you can relate to each other more because you're you're both come from a similar place, mm-hmm. and uh, it will probably be easier to to convince. Uh, you know, as if you're an American, it's probably easier to convince an American to let you do it, the Airbnb thing than some Chinese person who you, you can't even talk to. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it def- that definitely makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, this, I'm just thinking realistically, like if, if you want to travel and do this, um, you know, I, I, from my, my mm-hmm. experiences trying to do business like, uh, last year, um, when I was trying to sell my motorbike after I did the motorbike trip across Vietnam, uh, I was trying to sell it at first to expat forums or local Vietnamese, um, and they were really hard on the bike. You know, they said, "Oh, this is secondhand. It needs uh, new tires or a new engine and all this stuff." And it was really hard to sell mm-hmm. it. But then once I, I targeted a different market, I uh, went down to the backpackers street, uh, put up some ads, and I sold the bike within an hour. Uh, to to a Dutch oh. guy actually, <laughs> <laughs> so so I guess I guess targeting a different market and, and you know being selective about who you work with not only as far as uh, who's supplying the I guess in this case the housing uh, but also targeting the right markets for renting the apartment and uh, I know that that you and and also my friend Ryan uh, talk about how you can stand out and be unique. Um, my friend Ryan Fix, who does this, like he targets a unique market where he, uh, he targets artists and creative types, uh, and he can offer them mm-hmm. extra value adds in addition to housing. Yeah. And I know that you also do the same thing because you, you target couples, right? Yeah. And, and this is something that, uh, I, I realized this after I, ha- I hosted a, a few, uh, groups of that consisted of two couples, and they told me that they really like my house because my bedrooms are are sort of very separated; they're on opposite ends of of my apartment, and there's a uh, this is outside staircase in between. So, so you have a lot of privacy, and that was great because then I thought, oh, you know, couples are are sort of the the type of uh, the type of uh, people that I like to have in my apartment because they're less likely to to cause disturbance and less likely to go out and get drunk and and come home and make a lot of noise and they're typically typically a little older too so i thought hey why don't i focus on that group so i put it in my title and i put it in my description and uh, yeah it helps because if you as a from the perspective of the user if you are uh, a group of, of of two couples and you're you know you're you're searching on Airbnb and you see a title that says "perfect for couples," then that really grabs your attention. Um, so, so yeah, it's it's a it's a good thing, a great thing to do to think about what what type of people you want to host and what what's your house, what is it most suitable for. Also, in terms of the location, um, so that's a good thing to keep in mind. And you talk about this quite a bit in your book. Um, I'm just looking at your own profile. It says uh, spacious two BDR, uh, two bedrooms, perfect for couples. Um, and in your, your book, mm-hmm. you actually give a lot of other examples of, of how people have uh, written their headline to stand out. Um, how, how can someone, because if you're listening to this and you want to list your space, mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah. it's very competitive in terms of the listings that people can find uh, right now. 
what are some ways that they can really stand out and uh, kind of just, just get to the top of their market, their local market? Well, the you got to see Airbnb as, as a sort of a mini Google. So how do you get to the first page of Google? Well, you figure out what factors are involved, how Google calculates the rankings, and then try to optimize for that. And that's kind of what you do in Airbnb too. But the factors that Airbnb uses most is are just related to just being a really good host and getting a lot of guests. So when you initially, when you start out, your first priority is just to get as many bookings as possible. And that's why I recommend starting off with a, with a very competitive price and to make sure you, you mention that in your profile, in your description that you're doing, you're giving a discount because you're just starting out because otherwise people are going to think there must be something wrong with it. But you start out with a very competitive price, uh, just to attract the initial bookings. Uh, once you get some reviews, you get some traction going, um, then you, uh, you just try to reach all close to full capacity. Uh, make sure you respond quickly to inquiries. Make sure you update your calendar often. You know, it's basically, if you're just basically very active on the platform, then that will, that will push your, your rankings. And you also want to keep an eye on it. You know, you just do search. Uh, do searches on, on the on the website uh, for your area and see where you are, and then do this every week and see how how much progress you are making. Okay. And um, you know it's much better to be it's much better to be in the in the first page for your neighborhood on Airbnb than to, for example, list on five different platforms and be on page ten, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And. Um... How much of a time commitment are you talking about here? How much time commitment do you spend? It, it depends a, a little bit on how you structure it. Okay. Um, as you know, we mentioned before, I actually outsource. I actually outsource a lot. So I have a, a cleaning lady slash check-in manager uh, who takes care of uh, cleaning the apartment and letting people in and showing them the apartment. So, which is a necessity for me as I'm traveling most of the time. And then I use a company called Guesty and they take care of all my communication. So respond to messages within one hour. Uh, they send out all the different information uh, that I, that I have uh, composed. So really I don't do anything. Almost. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, if, if you do, if you are an Airbnb host and you want to check out Guesty, we have a uh, referral code uh, GPFYP, and you can get uh, you can get the service for free for two weeks. Um, usually, they charge three percent on bookings, so it's it's a pretty good deal, I think. But um, you know, there's a different way of doing it. If you rent out a room, for example, then you will actually be there most of the time when, you, when your guests are, are staying at your house. So that gives you the opportunity to, um, you know, spend a little bit more time with your guests and, you know, maybe take them out or show them around in the neighborhood or, or uh, you know, uh, I've, I've heard stories of people like making making friends with with their guests and hanging out like almost all the time, you know. 
Mm-hmm. So it really depends on uh, there's a, there's different ways of doing it, and um, I would say it depends on what you want to get out of it as well. And it can be a pretty good way to to make friends, you know. If you, if you rent out your room and you get people from all over the world staying at your house, now that that's pretty awesome because when you go traveling, um, it's it's great to know some local people, right? right. So. And you know, and some hosts they they, they want to have that that aspect where they want to build relationships with their guests, and and some some hosts will, you know, just uh, are more interested in just the financial aspect of it. So it uh, it really depends on what you're looking to get out of the experience. By the way, if you guys are listening to this and you're trying to take notes on all the, the resources we mentioned, um, you don't have to rewind this interview. We're going to post uh, links to everything that. Jasper mentioned on the blog at openworldmag.com, including the promotion code, and uh, also Guesty, the link to Guesty, which is uh, G-U-E-S-T-Y. Is that correct, Jasper? That's correct, yeah. Okay. So, Jasper, uh, you're, you're currently, let me go back to you, um, you're currently renting out your apartment. Is it okay if I share this? Uh, some details about your Yeah, of course. Uh, for $195 per night. Um, which which price did you start out when you first rented this uh, your apartment out? Well, the the price really uh, really depends on the on the time of the year and the day of the week and on on a, a number of different things. Because okay. one thing that the most complicated thing about Airbnb hosting is the price. How are you going to find the optimal price? And that's a that's a complicated matter. So. Well, when you first start out, you wanna your priority is not to maximize income over the short term. Your priority is to build uh, a reputation on the platform as quickly as possible, which will allow you to maximize your 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 income on the long term. But as you as you get more bookings and you reach you know close to full occupancy, that's when you want to start raising prices and finding out how demand reacts to to a different price, uh, so it's it's kind of an experimentation where you just you know you you can raise you can put different prices for different months and see how that affects like the number of increase. Yes. And uh, but it's really important to um, to adjust to demand. So for example, in Amsterdam, uh, May through September are like the the really busy month. So in July or August, it's kind of high season. Um, I, I charge up to $300, whereas in January, when it's snowing, um, there is obviously less less demand in Amsterdam, so my prices will probably go down to you know $150. And uh, but the, and the other thing is, an, an empty house doesn't make you anything. So what I do as well is, if if I have availability in the, in the next week or within the next two weeks, I, I will aggressively start lowering my price to try and, and fill up the, the sort of the, the gaps in, in the calendar. Um, I, I'd rather make uh, okay. $100 than make zero, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at my calendar, you might see that next week I, I have two empty days and I might offer them for, for as little as $50, $75 if, if I can't find anyone. 
So it's uh, it's not it's not really like you you come up with one price and you just charge that the the whole year, which is a common mistake. I see a lot of a lot of hosts are actually doing that, so they're definitely missing out on uh, on on a lot because having a a perfect uh, or well perfect is impossible, but having a good price strategy in place uh, can can definitely bump your earnings uh, a lot. I think pricing is a big part of the game here as far as succeeding. And in your book, um, two things. Uh, you mentioned something that was really interesting, and I actually took it to heart. Uh, we talk about, um, I don't remember the term, but you, you were talking about how marketers uh, list prices at nine ninety nine or something, one penny less. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and I actually did that. I, I took your example. I changed my price from... I'm in I'm in Ho Chi Minh City, so a lot of people are charging you know twenty dollars a night, something really cheap. So I I made my nineteen dollars a night, and I noticed that that uh-huh. was like enough to get me extra attention because before that no one was was viewing my profile. I was like, damn it! So I was like, all right, Jasper, I'm gonna <laughs> take one of the something out of your bag of tricks. And uh, but but in your in your book you also <laughs> you also mentioned a uh, automated service, and I, I know they don't have it here, but. In certain cities, they have an automated service that uh, optimizes your prices. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a there's a there's a few services, but the one that I that I think is best is it's called Beyond Pricing. And um, okay, they uh, I talked to the to the to the CEO, and it turned out that everything that I learned about pricing. Um, all the different factors that I use to, to price my uh, my listing, they have put all these things in an algorithm, and they they use a lot of different data. It's it's pretty uh, sophisticated and and pretty cool. They even use like flight data and and uh, hotel stays to to sort of uh, to estimate what the demand should be for for your place and and adjust the price accordingly. So. If if you uh, if you don't want to go through the hassle of updating your prices regularly and you really don't know how to do it uh, cor- correctly, then uh, then it's definitely an option. It's it's currently available in the U.S. and I think they're looking to expand worldwide in uh, in 2015. And um, uh, we also have a, a special deal with them, by the way, where you get uh, three months for free if you sign up. And uh, I'll. Uh, Send me all, I'll, I'll of, all those. Send uh, the links in the show notes, but um, yeah. but yeah, it's a great way to to do it, and it's very cheap. It's uh, I think it's like nine dollars a month or something. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, send me all those promotion codes. We'll uh, we'll include it for our listeners uh, in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one sure. one thing I, I my friend kind of uh, I'm kind of going off on the gray hat here a little bit, uh, but one of my friends that I mentioned earlier, uh, he actually hacked the, the the search engine for Airbnb where he uh, <laughs> deliberately lowered his price to such a ridiculously low amount, like $10 per night for this beachfront condo or something, mm-hmm. just so he could get a ton of inquiries coming in because he had a brand new listing. Um, yeah. and, and then he started responding to all of them really quickly and, and rising up the Airbnb you know, popularity chart. And then, and uh-huh. then you know, as soon as he was up in the top, he, bam, you know, 200 per night or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, I mean, lowering your price definitely uh, definitely is a good way to get some attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you, so do you, you have to like decline street. all those people? <laughs> because... uh, well, I mean, 
I guess so. Uh, you know, which is which is probably, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's it's a, I guess a bit of an eth- ethical dilemma whether you yeah. want to do that or not. Um, it's kind of like you know, hot, when hot I, blind I, who I, goes I, to the bar and uh, just just to turn down guys to boost her ego, you know, reject <laughs> guys all night. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I put a price on my listing, I I, actually, I I only put the price if I actually intend to to running out, rent it out for that. You know, but, but that's you know, people can make their own choices. Uh, there's definitely uh, some gray area uh, things that you can do to uh, you know to boost your listing. I mean, you could even you can even have like fake bookings. You know, you could even ask your your friend to to book your place and and pay him back to get a good review. I mean, there's, there's always ways to, to hack the system and to, uh, to you know, sort of cheat way up. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't judge people who do it, but, uh, I, I prefer to, uh, to, to be honest. Yeah. We, we don't want to do anything unethical. Um, but we definitely want to, I guess, optimize and give ourselves every potential positive advantage that we can. Um, exactly. Yeah. You mentioned. And you uh, can. Yeah. You can. You can be very successful without without um, mm-hmm. you know without breaking the rules. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just just know what's kind of how the system works. I guess is is probably the smart thing. Uh, you, you know, one one tip that we mentioned uh, during a previous interview was uh, for Odesk, for example. Uh, Odesk uses a review system just like Airbnb does, and uh, mm-hmm. what what we were talking about was taking your actual existing clients and, and friends who you're already working with and then having them hire you through Odesk um, instead of yeah. instead of paying you a check and, and then getting, you know, 10 reviews on Odesk and then that's going to help you get that uh, natural lead generation occurring just, just like with Airbnb. Try to find a, the, exactly. the, the most ethical and direct way to getting a lead generation system with Airbnb going, right? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, if you have, let's say you have a friend staying at your house, okay. then what you could say is like, hey, instead of you know just crushing at my place for free, um, I'll I'll give you a good price on Airbnb. You know, that's something that you can do. I see. Okay. Good stuff. Um, okay, so this interview is already running a little bit long. Um, <laughs> how are we doing on time here, Jasper? Are you okay? <laughs> uh, I'm good. I, uh, I don't have any commitments other than I, I really have to go to the beach, you know, to oh, okay. enjoy the sun and the pepperinas and to go surfing. <laughs> and, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's no there's no time deadline on that. So. <laughs> um, okay, so what I, I remember I just remember now what I really wanted to ask you was um, so obviously you're in Rio de Janeiro right now, um, and I'm sure someone's back home renting your place in Amsterdam. Uh, mm-hmm. how does this scenario work for, uh, someone who's not as far along as you are, or maybe they want to rent out their own living space. Uh, where do they go? Uh-huh. What do they do next? How do they make the financial, uh, how, how do they make, make the economics work exactly? Um, there's different options. Uh, I know people who rent out one place and then they use that money to pay the rent of another place. Um, you, I, I know people who who stay at their friends' places. And this is something that I've done in the past too. When I was in Amsterdam, I was sitting in my apartment and um, I was thinking, hey, I'm, I'm kind of 
uh, I'm paying uh, like $250 a night to, to sleep in my own bed, you know, and especially when I'm back in Amsterdam, <laughs> I, I usually, you know, I hang out with my friends and stuff. I haven't seen them for a while, so I don't really spend much time just at my house. So I've done this in the past where I thought, you know what, why don't I just crash at my buddy's couch for a few nights? I want to see him anyway. I want to hang out with the, with the guy anyway. So I might as well just curse his place and make uh, make 400 bucks in, in two nights, you know, and then I'll just buy him some groceries or something. Uh, so there's, there's different options. You can you stay with family or you can, you can uh, uh, one really good way to do it is uh, if you, let's say you live in the U.S., and you're a little short on cash and, uh, you don't have a, a full-time, a full-time job, uh, that, that, uh, that keeps you there. You can rent out your place and then you just go to a country where it's really cheap to rent an, uh, an apartment. So for example, Medellin is, is a pretty good option. In Medellin, you can rent an apartment for, you know, for under, under a thousand dollars. Probably even less if you, in certain neighborhoods, you could probably rent something for free, four or five hundred dollars. And then if you're, if you're making three thousand with your home back in the US, then that's a pretty good way to save a couple, couple thousand dollars a month. Geo arbitrage. Geo arbitrage. Exactly. Yeah. Can you, can you make, can you make this work if, let's say you were in Colombia already? Could, could you, become an Airbnb host in Colombia and then still live in Colombia? Yeah, sure. I mean, you can, it's, it's you not can rent a place for but, but, I mean, could, could you make it work anywhere you are? Like, let, let's say you're using a one-to-one economy um, in, the same, yeah. in the same country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, let's say you, uh, you rent a place in, in, uh, in, for example, Medellin in Poblado is the, is the nicest neighborhood where a lot of the tourists will go. If you rent a place there for, for a year and then you put it on Airbnb and then you rent an, a cheaper apartment somewhere else in the city, mm-hmm. then, uh, then that's, that's a way. But uh, you need to make sure uh, you need to make sure that uh, either the landlord is okay with it mm-hmm. or if you if you don't want to tell the landlord, like what's the chance that he's going to find out. And, yeah. uh, you, you want to look into uh, the local regulations a little bit because mm-hmm. different cities have different regulations when it comes to Airbnb. So, you know, you need to definitely do a little bit of research, but, uh, I mean, anything's possible really. Yeah. Okay. So my takeaway from that is, is do your homework and, uh, don't don't rush into a situation. Find a good a good situation. Find a, a good landlord that you click well with, and uh, if if you can, it's just just like it just like assessing any opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, awesome. Well, I have learned a ton, uh, not just from this interview, but also from your book. Uh, thank you so much for everything you are doing right now, Jasper. Yeah, thanks for having me in the show, man. It's been, it's been fun. And hopefully the people uh, listening to this have learned something as well. Um, do you have, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have anything else uh, you wanted, any advice you wanted to impart? Uh, or any strategies that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I mean, when it comes to Airbnb, I think... Uh, it's uh, a lot of people are contemplating about doing it. My 
advice to people is just try it. You know, uh, it's free to create a listing. You don't have to accept any bookings. So you can literally just create a listing and then wait for the perfect guest or somebody that you feel comfortable with. Uh, so yeah, don't let, don't make, don't let negative assumptions, uh, prevent you from uh, taking the opportunities that life has to offer in general. I really like this. Uh, I think I learned this from Anthony Robbins where he says, if you, if you don't know something then you might as well make an assumption that empowers you versus making the assumption that disempowers you. So instead of saying, Oh, well, if I run out of my place in Airbnb, maybe somebody's going to, you know, steal something or make, you know, do damage to my property. I mean, that's something that you don't know. So you might, you might as well make the assumption that people are going to be awesome and you're going to make a lot of new friends and you're going to be very successful at it because that empowers you to take that opportunity. And that's, that's the mindset for success in, in any area. Um, I think is, is I have a saying, a couple of sayings that are exactly what you just said. Uh, err on the side of action, make errors on the side of action and, uh, make, make mistakes of ambition, not mistakes of sloth. Uh huh. So if, if you're going to, if you're going to fail at something, fail on the side of trying and failing versus not doing anything and failing anyway. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I recently heard, I recently heard uh, an expression. I think it was from Roosevelt or Winston Churchill or something, where he says, um, "Doing something the right way is the best thing to do, and then doing something the wrong way is the second best thing to do, and the worst thing to do is doing nothing." That's fantastic. I, I have utmost respect for everything you're doing, Jasper, and your mindset and. Uh, can't wait to see what you do next. Awesome, man. Well, we'll, uh, we'll stay in touch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, just to summarize everything uh, that we've talked about in this whole process, um, if someone wanted to become you, do what you do, um, some of the things we talked about were uh, how, to, how to get set up, um, creating a profile, go check out Jasper's book, um, how to start generating leads and rise to the top of the search engines, uh, optimizing your price, getting the price you want, finding yep. a good situation if you are in a land, with a landlord, um, and also then automating the entire process. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know if that's six or seven steps or so. Yeah, and uh, another one that's really important is to uh, set up a good communication system. So yes. create like a guidebook for your neighborhood and your house and make sure people get uh, the information that they need. Because it's, uh, you know, when you when you go on a holiday, um, looking forward to it is, is, is 50% of the fun, right? Mm-hmm. So people want to know about your place. People want to know, hey, what's cool about your house? What's cool about the neighborhood? What are some cool things that I can do there? Because that's what gets people excited. And by providing that information, you also show that you're taking your responsibilities as a host serious and that you're a professional about it yes. and that people will feel comfortable traveling across the world to stay at your place. That's a great point you just brought up there, Jasper. And uh, I'd like to add to that, too. Um, I think managing the customer experiences in any type of business is one of the most obvious and most profitable ways to stand out and really maximize your profit potential in any business. 
And Mm -hmm. what's really fantastic, and this is exactly what I did in my own business. I had a customer care system for communication with uh, my clients. And you not only talk about that in your book, the guidebook that you just mentioned, but you also have actual templates that you can send to, uh, to guests as they, when they inquire at your property after when they book and after they book and even collecting the referral. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I love most about your book is that you actually give copy and paste emails. And this is exactly what I did in my own advertising businesses, uh, at these Mm -hmm. key milestones, uh, there's a sequence of communication that takes place and, and doing this, I mean, I did exactly what you did. I did step-by-step, uh, when I had someone book here last week and, and, you know, they gave me an awesome review and they're already asking if they can come back. <laughs> in a couple right. Of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. The communication is, is 50% of the guest experience, in my opinion. Well, this is just a, a fantastic, uh, system that you've created here, Jasper, not only for yourself, but what you've, uh, what you're starting to teach people and, um, just wanted to thank you for it and, uh, congratulate you and, and compliment you on everything you've done. Wow. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, anything else before we wrap up? This has been awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, if people want to find out more about Airbnb, we, we have a lot of, uh, of, of good stuff. We have the, the podcast that you can find in iTunes. It's called get paid, get paid for your pen. Um, we, we, we recently inter- interviewed Chip Conley, head of uh, hospitality of Airbnb. It was a pretty cool interview. And uh, if you go to the website, getpaidforyourpad.com, you can download the audiobook for free. You can download the first couple chapters for free. And uh, you, you can uh, sign up for our, uh, our newsletter, which will contain a uh, sort of a training program by email. So every week I'll send one email with lots of advice on, on a particular topic. So, uh, and then you can go to Amazon and, and buy the book. It's nine ninety seven, or you can go to optimizerairbnblisting.com where um, I offer the PDF version, including some, some bonuses as well. So there's lots of options to, to learn more. And um, I'm also happy to respond to any questions that people may have. Um, you can just email me at info at getpaidforyourpet.com. And finally, if you want to learn more about traveling and you want to see what I've been up to over the last few years, you can go to my travel blog, thetravelingdutchman.com. Ever the marketer, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but I I agree. Uh, Go check out all of those uh, resources that Jasper just mentioned and go take advantage of this opportunity. Um, You know, everyone has housing. Uh, Housing is an evergreen opportunity. It's it's always going to be profitable. Um, It's not going to dry up like these other opportunities that Jasper mentioned earlier in the interview. Um, And if and not just Airbnb, start using the sharing economy in general. Uh, Jasper mentioned a great resource, peers.org. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just do this now. And, and I want you guys to mail me too at Danny at Open World Mag and share me, openworldmag.com and share your success stories with me. Um, share them with both me and Jasper because I want to I hear them. And I think Jasper does as well. And Absolutely. I have one final tidbit of advice for you guys. If you're going to listen to Jasper's podcast, skip over the first 60 seconds of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because there's this singing and it's just 
it's haunting me. It's just this get paid for your pad singing, and I feel like I'm going to hear it in my dreams tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's very catchy. It's catchy it's and addicting, catchy. and it's it's going to get stuck in your head. And <laughs> Definitely, yeah. my friend Jasper here is an expert marketer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jasper. Yeah, thanks for having me, Denny. We'll uh, we'll talk soon. Enjoy the sunshine down there in Rio. I will. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, Jasper. Thanks again.